When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome in to another episode of the Gin Jag Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan DeLugo. And back again is contributing writer over at GinJag.com, Jeremy Markowski. Today we've got a lot of news to get into. A lot of stuff's been going on on the training camp front with injuries and just new developments. Uh, we're going to cover all the critical info you need as training camp gets into full swing. We also are going to break down the defensive line group and kind of just provide an outlook for what's going on up front for the Jaguars on defense. Make sure to check out genjag.com for all the latest Jags news and analysis. You can also check out our shop at genjag.com where we just dropped the fun space kitty pocket tee. Check that out, genjag.com slash shop. And uh, go check out UCF Jaguar on YouTube. He does a lot of Jags videos for us. We put those videos up on the genjag website. He's got a lot of fun insights, so check him out on youtube of course follow jeremy on twitter at jeremy markoski follow myself at jordan delugo and generation jaguar at generation jag jeremy how we doing it's been about a week since we got together last uh doing great you know we got some jaguars football can finally see the guys out on the field so a little different you know with everything going on but but very exciting for sure yeah and uh jeremy and i oddly enough found out we went to the same high school about five years apart i think but uh still Small world out there. Small world, yeah. Shout out Bishop Kenny, class of 15. <laughs> yeah, I'm 09 for all of you that don't know. So, yeah, uh, we've got a lot to get into. Like I said, a lot's been going on at training camp. I think the most pressing thing we need to get into, kick it off with, is Yannick Ngakwe fired his agent earlier this week. And then um, just, I think, the very next day, Dave Caldwell, the Jaguars general manager, uh, he had his press conference with the local media and he mentioned that he has been in contact with Unique over the last couple of days, but he wouldn't comment on any of their conversation. But very interesting. Um, what do you think this means and what what's your takeaway from it, Jeremy? I'm really hard-pressed to see that this really changes uh, the long-term plan uh, for Yannick and Jax. Um, but I think it's undoubtful to say um, you know, that he was re- receiving par- very poor uh, advice from his agent. Uh, very, very poor. You know, As a guy who has only been in the league for a few years, hasn't made a lot of money, um, if that was his advice to kind of not sign that tender and sit out this year, I think that's very poor advice. Um, I still think you know, Yannick's dug in at this point. Um, I don't think he's just going to turn around and say, 
you know, I'm playing right off the bat. And then, you know, I definitely don't think he's going to want to sign a long-term deal here. But I think we're going to inch closer towards him playing at some point. Um, but I don't know, like I said, if it's going to be a long-term thing. And I'm not necessarily sure if he's going to hop in uh, and get into training camp right away. Yeah, the, I'm not sure about uh, when he will come around. Obviously, the deadline has passed for the Jaguars and Unique Ngakwe to come to a long-term extension. So they can't even talk about that until next year. But yeah, I think it's, you got to view it as encouraging. I mean, the fact that one day he fires his agent, the next day Caldwell is talking about how they've been in contact. So there is some movement, it seems like. We don't know exactly what they talked about, but I've always thought Unique was probably going to end up playing just because I don't know how you let $17.8 million go down the drain when you've only made about four point six in your career. So it is interesting. We will keep an eye on that, obviously. Uh, any news that happens with that, we'll be reporting on ginjag.com. And hopefully it's a, a step in the right direction towards getting Unique into camp and at least, you know, for the start of the regular season, that would be just such a huge break for the Jaguars, for their defense, and for their pass rush. Yeah, and I mean, I think you got to look at how questionable this season already is. And with him not playing this year and not getting anything on tape, you know, you kind of look back at Lev Bell and see where that really got him. But, you know, with, with the season being in such high question of really, you know, we don't really know what we're going to get this year. Are we going to get a full season? Who knows? Are we going to get enough, you know, tape, uh, you know, to, to really kind of, uh, you know, get him kicked off on next year? Who knows? So I think you got to get everything you can. I think that's coming to light very quickly for him. Yeah, it is. And um, also on the defensive line, we've got Rodney Gunter, who the Jaguars brought over from Arizona. He's on the active non-football injury list. The Jaguars haven't commented on what his ailment is, but non-football injury means it was unrelated to Jaguars practice or training camp or anything like that. Um, We're not sure what happened. Coach Marone said uh, not to really ask any questions for four or five days or so. So probably next week we might be able to get an update on that. But at this point, it's just kind of a red flag on Gunter. We don't know when he's going to be back healthy. He's a guy that the Jaguars certainly need for for rotational depth along the defensive line. But uh, on a better note, James O'Shaughnessy, who was having a breakout in 2019 before his Week 5 ACL tear, he returned to the practice field on Wednesday. He's now a full go. He's no longer on the pup. Uh, He's a guy that has a lot of chemistry with Gardner Minshew, so getting him back in the lineup is great. Yeah, Gunter's situation is a little concerning. Like you said, it is that non-football injury list. Uh, But the amount of cloudiness that Doug Marone was giving when speaking on that really kind of makes you think what's going on there. I think if it was something that shouldn't uh, be too much cause for concern, that would have been communicated. Uh, So that's a little concerning for me. Yeah, having O'Shaughnessy back on the field is great. Uh, He brings that veteran presence uh, back to the tight end group. I think that's very important. Obviously, you've got Eifert there, but it, you know, being his first year here in Jacks, O'Shaughnessy really knows uh, you know what to expect, and he's going to get some of these young guys, these rookies, Josh Oliver. Hopefully, get him into shape and, and get Eifert kind of uh, up to speed um, on everything you know going on here in Jacksonville. Um, 
it's a big get back for the team. He led the the tight end group in receiving yards after going to IR after week five, I believe it was. So uh, it's definitely a plus to have him back on the field. Yeah, no doubt. Um, an interesting kind of like administrative note, the Jaguars did end up cutting the roster down to 80 players over the weekend, which they weren't sure if they were going to end up doing that. Uh, they did end up going ahead and cutting it down to 80, which means all the players can be in the building at the same time and they can all practice together at the same time. So before they did that, they were having to split up which players are in the building and uh, which players are on the practice field at the same time. So now they're getting everybody in there together, which I definitely think is a good thing. Yeah, it definitely establishes some you know, camaraderie um, and, and some continuity with the guys who are practicing together. Um, you know, like you said, you're not going to have those 10 guys out of the building every day. Um, and it definitely makes it easier uh, to get a better look at who you do have in the building consistently. Um, and it also, you know, like I said, allows for those position groups to be together all the time uh, and, and build that camaraderie amongst teammates. Yeah. Marone and Caldwell, I think both commented on how they kind of liked it for getting the rookies into training camp uh, and having them, separated to start training camp so they can get a better look at what they've got with those guys. So that's something, um, you know, splitting up practices that they might do moving into the future. Uh, if they do have a future in Jacksonville, <laughs> it definitely, puts, so, yeah, it definitely puts some of those bubble guys uh, on the outs though. Uh, so you do feel for them, you know, some of these guys who, you know, maybe if situation wasn't the same, uh, you know, might get some more looks. So I definitely understand it there, but uh, definitely getting everybody in at the same time is, is a good way to go. Yeah. Uh, the Jags signed uh, a few defensive linemen recently, Josh Morrow, Karan Reed, and Carl Davis. Davis has been around here before, so the Jaguars have familiarity with him. Uh, they also signed veteran cornerback Tremaine Brock. He's played 11 years in the league. He's an interesting signing to me, uh, and he's clearly like the Rashawn Melvin replacement. Melvin decided to opt out of the season. So Brock, he has length at six feet, 11 years of experience, like I said. He's honestly a better coverage guy right now than Rashawn Melvin is, and I think he might bring a little more swagger and more experience to the cornerback room than Melvin was going to. So I'm a big fan of this signing. Yeah, definitely. Again, I think it, it really hints at the veteran presence this team needs. Um, they're one of the youngest teams in the league, um, and specifically in that cornerback group. You know, you've got uh, Trey Herndon, who's still relatively young, and you've got the rookie CJ Henderson out of Florida. Um, so he definitely brings that veteran presence. He really hasn't had a, a standout year since 2016. So I think it's really a depth move. Uh, but you know, like we kind of discussed before uh, we started recording, he might have a, a chance at, at really locking down that third spot on the outside. Um, maybe, uh, you know, in that big nickel set as well, if they wanted to kind of get him running around in there. Like you said, he is big. He has a little bit more length uh, than some of the other outside guys. Yeah. And then um, also uh, Cam Robinson, he spoke with the media earlier this week. All the days are running together with all these press conferences. It might have been yesterday, but he said he feels night and day difference in terms of where his health is at heading into 2020 versus heading into 2019 when he was coming off that ACL injury. Um, it was interesting to hear him say that around the last quarter of the season in 2019 is when he really started to feel uh, like himself again. 
from a uh, comfortability standpoint out there on the field. And I've said it many times, he turned a corner over the last four games. He still let up some sacks, but his pressure numbers were way down. He still needs to improve. Uh, And what will be, for all intents and purposes, his third year in the league as his second year was pretty much completely scrapped due to that ACL tear. But I think that is an encouraging sign for an offensive line that needs to play better for Gardner Minshew and for the running game. It is very encouraging. Uh, And, you know, as a big guy, as an offensive lineman, I can kind of understand where he's coming from. That knee injury was a very severe injury. You know, you might not trust that knee as much. So it may have taken him some time to get back into the swing of things and fully feel comfortable on that knee. But the fact that he's confident and he's ready to show what he's capable of, it's very, very uh, intriguing uh, for this team. And they do need some swagger. They need some, you know, confidence. They need to be able to go out there and run the ball effectively and confidently. So hopefully his confidence resonates with some of the other linemen uh, in, in the room as well. And they can kind of get the ball rolling quickly and get Leonard Fournette, uh, you know, racking up some yards early on. Yeah, and uh, Jay Gruden, he was really bullish today on the offensive line, Um, just talking about each one of their starters and even the backups that he likes. Uh, He's very high on both both of the tackles out there, and Robinson and Taylor really likes um, Andrew Norwell, and he was just glowing and raving about Brandon Linder, which, of course, I understand that. And then over at right guard, you've got Cam. Hopefully Ben Barch can take over at that spot. But Jay Gruden really likes what he has in his offensive line, and I think that's a positive sign. Obviously, he's not going to come out and just be bashing the guys, but you could really sense the confidence in his voice and in his tone today when he was talking about that offensive line. So that is encouraging from an offensive line standpoint for sure. Uh, some not-so-good news. Caleb on Chason, the Jaguars' 20th overall selection in the 2020 draft, edge rusher out of LSU. He's dealing with what the Jaguars called a minor hamstring issue. Uh, we've all seen what hamstring injuries can do and how they can linger. With uh, I mean, last year, looking at Josh Oliver, the year before that, Leonard Fournette. If you want to go way back, you can look at Fred Taylor. But Hopefully he can get back on the field quickly, but you obviously don't want to rush it with that type of injury. Uh, He was off to the side today, but he appeared fine. He wasn't really like walking gingerly or anything. And he was working with Josh Allen on some technique type things after practice. So that's encouraging that he really doesn't look like he's ailed too much. And the fact that he's working with Josh Allen after practice is also awesome. But Obviously not great for a rookie that's not going to have preseason to be missing out on these valuable training camp practices. Yeah, you're right. It's not great. Uh, but like you said, it is encouraging. Uh, like you said, it's him standing off to the side, still going through the motions. I mean, really, that's all we're doing right now in this training camp. You know, a lot of this stuff you got to take with a grain of salt because we aren't really hitting. There's no contact. We are going through the motions. There's going to be walkthroughs for a couple of weeks, but to see him off to the side, still being able to you know get through some of those technique stuff, and have Josh Allen work with them a little bit, it's very promising. But this is a time where you know you need to be getting healthy. So if you do have a little a little hamstring issue, go ahead and get healthy. We're not really hitting. You're not missing too much. We're going through the movements. You know, be in there with your teammates, be there, be present, learn, but also take the time to get healthy. Like, a, like you said, a rookie, let's not push it too much. Let's not make it something more than it needs to be. Those hamstrings can be naggy, uh, but get healthy. That's the main goal for sure right now, and the main idea should be to get healthy. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's going to do it for the news. There's obviously plenty more stuff to check out. You can check out my Twitter feed if you want to kind of get every single little piece of stuff that's out there. And uh, you can also go and check out all the different press conferences that the Jaguars have been holding on jaguars.com. So that leads us into the crux of the show, the defensive line, which, you know, D-line, 2017, that defensive line was just outstanding. As soon as Marcel Darius came over, they really kind of started shutting down the run. They got dubbed Saxonville, but... The last two seasons, uh, the run defense hasn't been there, especially with Darius off the field, and the pass rush hasn't been as potent as it was in 2017. Right now, it looks like the starters are going to be Josh Allen, Taven Bryan, Devon Hamilton, who's a rookie, and uh, probably a lot of Caleb Von Chason on the other side. Uh, about 70 to 75% of the time, the Jags are going to be in nickel which means they'll just have two off-ball linebackers. In those situations, I think Chason will be on the line of scrimmage. Of course, if Unique Ngakwe shows up, he'll be out there a lot. But uh, just from an overall standpoint, what do you see with those starters? I I, I see a lot of unknowns. Um, I see, you know, Josh Allen obviously is is the guy that you're going to look to uh, to make a big impact this year. Uh, They say he's looking slimmer reportedly coming into camp, uh, which is promising. Um, it's intriguing, though. He was already kind of a slim guy. So um, is it going to help him get around the edge a little bit faster and a little bit quicker? Um, or is it going to you know, cause some issues with them getting hung up on offense tackles? We'll see. Um, he is really an edge guy. Uh, so, you know, he's not going to be really engaging them as much, you know, <laughs> as he as he wants to. So that's good. Um, but, yeah, Taven Bryan's got a lot of proof. You know, he's got to come in this year, and, and this is a make or break for him. He's got to prove that he's a first-round uh, interior defensive lineman, and we've seen some progression with him. Um, you know, I've I've not been fond uh, of of his you know progression so far, um, but end of last year you saw you know some good things. I think they definitely need to build on that, and uh, you know Chase on is definitely going to be your wild card. Um, can he attack the other side of the ball? Can you get two great ends? you know, pushing both tackles back to the quarterback, get that consistent pass rush, um, you know, something that we saw uh, that was a key thing when you had Campbell, uh, Clayus Campbell and uh, Yannick Ngakwe rushing the passer. Um, you've got to get back to that and really pressure the quarterbacks uh, and get some penetration inside to stop the run. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, I agree with pretty much everything you said there, except I do have a little bit more confidence in Taven Bryan. Uh, He will need to step up in terms of going from a guy that was rotational, played less than 50% of the defensive snaps last year, moving to a starting role where he's probably going to be on the field 60, 70, maybe even more uh, percent of the time. But uh, I want to kind of get into looking at the specific areas of the defense in terms of the defensive line. And uh, it all starts up front with run defense you know, you can't get into these advantageous pass rushing situations without stopping the run. And that is exactly where the Jaguars defense really struggled last year. They could not stop the run, especially without Marcel Darius, like I said. They brought in veteran defensive tackle Al Woods and third-round pick Devon Hamilton to kind of fix that problem. But Woods opted out of the season, which means Devon Hamilton, he's going to be forced into a major role. 
I think he has the talent and the ability to be a mainstay on the interior for the Jags for a long time. But being thrown into the Wolves as a rookie without any preseason reps, it's really going to be tough. I still think there's no way that Avery Jones can hold him off in the starting lineup from a talent level. I just think Hamilton is way too talented there uh, to for, for Avery Jones to keep him out of the lineup. So you've got Devon Hamilton in there, the one-two tech, you know, the big big tackle, the big run-stuffing tackle spot. And I am concerned not only because Hamilton's a rookie, but because if Avery Jones is the only big guy after Hamilton on the depth chart, I, I just don't know how that's a recipe for success. It is a little concerning, and it, and it really leads me to question the, the intentions of this front office. You do have some money, and you do have some big guys still out there on the market. I don't know what's keeping them from going and getting one uh, because, like you said, I'm not necessarily sure if Avery Jones is talented enough to hold down that spot all year. Um, and Devon Hamilton, who does have uh, some of that talent, he's going to be young. And I think the biggest mistakes that we saw at Taven Bryant when he was inside, uh, you know, through his young career was getting washed out of gaps. You know, is is getting his back turned, getting pushed out of gaps, and you know, you can see that with young guys who are trying to, you know, they're hungry, they want to get off the ball, get the field too quick, they're getting turned out of gaps. Uh, but I think. Run stopping is also going to be a uh, big on the linebacker shoulders this year. Um, and I like the fact that, um, you know, you're going to have, uh, you know, a better presence um, behind that defensive line this year. But sugar speaking on the defensive line, it's, it's really going to be important to find that guy inside who can eat up gaps and, and get some penetration uh, to let your ends and, and your linebackers come in behind and make those tackles. So I'm not necessarily sure if they have that guy right now. Um, that guy can definitely come out of the, you know, the current locker room, uh, but it's yet to be seen. Yeah, I'd really like them to go out and get a Marcel Darius, uh, who's still available. Um, the former Packers defensive lineman who went over to Detroit last year, I'm drawing a blank on his name for some reason right now, but he just signed with uh, the Bengals, I believe. So it is starting to dry up a little bit with the defensive tackle market, but Darius is still out there. I don't know why they don't go get him. Um, unless they just have that much confidence in Devon Hamilton being able to step in immediately. But even if you do have that confidence, you don't have much of an injury, or injury insurance policy behind him. But overall, at that spot, you could see a lot of progress throughout the year. But we'll see how it goes to start things off. And then next to him on the inside, we talked about him a little bit, Taven Bryan, stepping into his first full-time starting role at 3-Tech. Last year, he played under half the team's defensive snaps, like I said, but he still racked up 14 stops, which is constituted by a negative result for the offense, 33 tackles, and 25 pressures. With another season under his belt, more reps every game, I think Bryan should grow as a pass rusher, but talking about run defense, I think he was already excellent against the run. If you go back and look at the tape in 2019, uh, he blew up a lot of plays in the backfield time and time again down the stretch. I have zero issues with him in the starting lineup. Um, if you go back and look at a lot of those, you know, just big gaping holes that the Jaguars run defense gave up last year down the stretch. Taven Bryan was not in on those plays. And then you look at the plays that he is in on, 
he is able to, you know, just shoot past interior offensive linemen and blow up the play in the backfield, not necessarily making the tackle himself, but, you know, making that running back get out of where the play is designed to go and uh, forcing him into the rest of the defensive line or linebackers awaiting arms. So I do like Taven from a run stopping perspective quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely improved, uh, but I think you still have to find that, you know, be all guy that, that, that it guy. Um, but I agree, you know, Darius, he knows the system. I'm not really sure what's keeping them from going out and getting them. Um, you know, as we kind of move on from the inside, um, some guys that I would really like to see improve on, on the outside as well. Um, the first one is, is Dewan Smoot, and he came in last year, you know, all of his career sacks and a career high six at that. I uh, saw a big jump from him um, last year in his limited playing time. He's also a bigger end um, that hopefully can force things back inside. I don't know if they'll move him around um, as much, but maybe, you know, if they were getting those two smaller, uh, you know, pass rush tackles and maybe he can factor uh, inside a little bit as well. Um, and then Aaron Lynch, you know, they signed him in the off season. He's a bigger edge setting outside linebacker. So he really should factor into the run game. Um, you know, I want him to set that edge, uh, you know, and get up there and, and, and force some runs back inside um, and not allow backs to bounce outside. Um, he's six six two eighty. 280 is what I have him listed at. So Again, real, real big. He can stand up on the end. He's not going to get you, you know, a lot of sacks. He's not going to get in the backfield too much, but he can force that tackle down, force that ball inside. And if he's got to put his hands in the dirt, he can put his hands in the dirt and become a prototypical run-stopping defensive end. So I think he might be a good snag for the Jaguars this year. Yeah, and Gunter can certainly help out in the run defense department too whenever he gets back on the field. Um, and then uh, – you kind of look at Cassius Marsh as well. He's more just going to be, in my opinion, uh, off the ball edge type guy that is going to be able to rack up some pressures throughout the season. He did that a lot for Arizona last year. He's kind of bounced around the league, but wherever he's gone, when he's gotten his reps, he will be able to get some pass rush productivity. And getting into the pass rush, it starts with Josh Allen. He already proved to be um, a good run defender in 2020, or excuse me, in 2019, a lot better than a lot of people expected. He's got more strength than you would think for a guy that was coming out of Kentucky, just touted as a speed rusher, but he's got plenty of strength. And uh, when you look at him, he's a guy that got 10 and a half sacks as a rookie. I did a study on him a few episodes back, and if he plays all 16 games, It'd be really hard for me to believe that he won't rack up at least 14 to 16 sacks in 2020 based on how he played as a rookie and based on uh, just the sheer jump in in, uh, pass rush snaps that he's going to get. He'll have more attention on him, but he's also going to be better. And he routinely won against double teams as a rookie anyways. Yeah, he had a great rookie season. Um, there's no doubt about that. And, you know, if you look back at it, his snap shares weren't all that great uh, to begin with. So like you said, with him getting more field time, uh, I think he's easily going to surpass that number. Um, he is, you know, an elite passer, I think, already. I think he's he's getting there, uh, you know, and he might be top five, uh, you know, here very shortly. Uh, that might be a little hometown bias, but I like what I saw from him a lot. And he did play the run you know, fairly well. Uh, for an outside linebacker, uh, definitely better uh, than we've seen with Jan. Um, so 
you know, there's room to improve all over the place for him. Uh, but his ceiling is sky high right now. And he could be, uh, you know, a star in this league and, and something that a couple of years on the road, the Jags are going to have to make sure, you know, that they're, they're not going through the, the Jan situation all over again. Keep this man happy. Uh, keep this man healthy. Watch him improve and then keep him here for a long time. I think he could really be a, a cornerstone for a while. Yeah. I agree with you 100%. I mean, I don't think that's a hometown bias when you talk about him potentially being a top five pass rusher. And the number of plays that he had in terms of pass rush plays, getting 10 and a half sacks and getting all the pressures that he got, he he really could be a special player in year two. And looking at some of the other pass rush you've got on the defensive line, like I said, Taven Bryan, he got 25 pressures and 233 pass rush snaps last year. So he was getting a pressure uh, a little over 10 out of every 100 pass rush snaps. So it's not a bad number at all. And if he can improve on that a little bit, that'll help out a lot. And then Devon Hamilton, again, stepping into a big role. He wreaked havoc in the backfield uh, as a pass rusher in 2019 for Ohio State, he racked up six sacks from the nose tackle position where you're not even really trying to uh, be a pass rusher. He's more tasked with being a run stuffer, but in those pass rush situations, he was getting after it. I mean, from a percentage standpoint and from a sack standpoint, he was more effective than Derek Brown and Javon Kinlaw in 2019. Still, he'll have to prove himself at the next level. Yeah, and he's got a lot of potential. I mean, you know, there's a reason why they went out and got him. Um, and he's going to have to fill, you know, a big hole on the defense. But uh, I didn't see as much of him at Ohio State. Um, you know, there's a lot of offense going on over there. Um, but, yeah, 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 he's, he's definitely got a potential, um, to, you know, to be one of those guys. And, um, you know, you look back, you know, in the history of the Jaguars, you had a guy like Marcus Stroud who was a great interior player. Uh, but he – you know, was great in the past game as well. He didn't, uh, you know, rack up all the sack numbers, uh, you know, as you're saying, but he made a lot of pressure plays. And, uh, you know, if Devon Hamilton can, can create that havoc inside and you've got Chase on and Allen on the outside wreaking havoc as well, it's going to be a mess for opposing quarterbacks. Yeah, and I mean, imagine if Unique Ngakwe is thrown in there as well in pass rush situations. And, uh I haven't really talked about it on the podcast because I haven't been doing the podcast uh, for quite a while, but Devon Hamilton, he was one of my biggest draft crushes. I had him as a first-round defensive tackle. Um, I still had Derek Brown and Javon Kinlaw rated higher because of their overall uh, track record, and Javon Kinlaw is just a freak show in terms of his strength and athletic ability. But Hamilton was one of my draft crushes. The fact that the Jags got him in the third round, I think, is huge. And then we mentioned Chase on from a pass rush perspective. He picked up four and a half sacks over his final four games at LSU. And one thing I don't think a lot of people realize is he was a redshirt sophomore in 2019. This kid is really young. He was really raw coming into the season, but he developed down the stretch against some of the better teams that he played all year. And I think he's got the talent. He needs to get the polish down. But uh, how quickly does it click from a pass rush standpoint for him 
is going to be key. Yeah, he's definitely, like you said, raw talent. Um, the one knock I will have on, on Chase on is, you know, a little bit. If you go back and look at that national championship game, he has a tendency to kind of get on his feet a little bit when he does get engaged with an offensive lineman, an offensive tackle, and, and kind of gets stuck backpedaling to the play sometimes. But all that aside, he's going to be primarily an edge rusher. You know, that, that's really what he's going to you know, be here for. And if you do get Yon back, that dynamic frame is going to change a little bit. You're, he's probably not going to see, you know, as much time on the field. Um, he might come in and stand up uh, with Yon having his hand in the dirt um, in pass rush situations. And you're going to have Josh Allen, Yon, and, and Chase on all come after the quarterback. But he is athletic. Um, and he and he's young. He definitely has a lot of room to grow. Um, with that being said, you know if he learns uh, a lot from these older guys, and I know Josh Allen's only a year older, but he's had a lot of success in this league. If, if he can get down a move, you know, get you know really master a pass rush move and, and begin to learn quickly, uh, he'll have a long long career in this league as well. Yeah, I think he's got just as much natural ability as Josh Allen. The difference between him and Josh Allen coming into the NFL in my opinion, is that Josh Allen played his junior season at Kentucky because Josh Allen had a very similar season, sophomore campaign at Kentucky to Caleb on chase on. And then he just blew up the sec in his final year there. And I think if you saw chase on go back, you would see that same thing for him in 2020, but he's in Jacksonville. I'm happy he's here. I don't like hearing the people that kind of compare him to like a Barcavius Mingo type guy because it's just a ridiculous comparison. You're only saying that because it's an athletic, speedy edge rusher from LSU. Their game is night and day difference. And Chase on, like Allen, he has a lot more strength than a lot of people think he does for, you know, that kind of bendy, speedy edge rusher. So it'll be interesting. It will be uh, one of those things where it's just about how quickly he can get it down. And uh, I do think the sky's the limit for Chase on and Josh Allen long term. And then we talked about Gunter, uh, Aaron Lynch, Dewan Smoot. Smoot, it was really interesting last year. He did get those six sacks, but it was on like 19 pressures. So his sack percentage was just really high compared to his pressure percentage. I'm not sure if that's sustainable but perhaps he can become more effective overall uh from that and then uh, i do i think you know smoot cassius marsh rodney gunter aaron lynch all those guys are going to be good rotational guys from a pass rush standpoint even if they're not going to be racking it up in terms of the pressures i think they all will get their fair share of pressures in 2020 for the i think the front office did a great job this is the one thing I will say about them. They did a great job of going and getting a guy for every scenario. You know, you've got a guy, two guys really, who are, you know, you're bend the edge, third and long, we're past the situation, go get the quarterback type of guys. They, they signed a couple guys who can also set the edge in the run game and can provide some more support. So they've got guys for, for every situation. And like you said, it's going to be a lot of rotating. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot, a lot of rotating. You're obviously going to have Allen on the field a lot. Um, but outside of that, there's going to be a lot of rotations, and they're going to have fresh guys for every situation. So it's going to be interesting to see how they all cycle through and in what situations uh, do guys get playing time. Yeah, you just hope you can get Chase on and Gunter back out there soon. But uh, essentially for me, this defensive line, in terms of the total outlook, 
if Hamilton and Chason are on the field as much as I think they'll be, they're just going to have to learn so fast, and we keep repeating that, but it's so true. They don't have a preseason. They're not going to have a ton of padded practices. Can they help the Jaguars slow down the Colts and Titans in back-to-back weeks to start the season? That is a lot to ask. Two of the most high-powered rushing attacks in football. Um, The run defense will be solid if Hamilton can pick up where he left off at Ohio State. Pass rush uh, could be amongst the best in football if Ngakwe shows up. If not, I still see them as above average, uh, thanks to elite talent of Josh Allen, strength and burst of Taven Bryan, and then the upside of Chason and Hamilton like we talked about. Yeah, it could be an elite group. Uh, it really could. And these guys are going to have to learn fast. They're going to have to learn on the fly. Like I said, no preseason. Training camp's off to a wonky start. They're going to have to get going quick. Uh, but, you know, the great players do. And, and that's what's going to be the difference, uh, you know, in guys who uh, come in and, and, and don't uh, really find stardom in the league and, and the guys who come in like, you know, let's say Nick Bosa. Now, I'm not necessarily comparing these guys to Nick Bosa. I know it's different, but, you know, if you're going to be a great player, uh, you're going to have to come in and have that immediate impact because that's what these teams are looking for in a first-round pick. You know, they're not looking for you to come and take two or three or four years, uh, you know, to get yourself into a position to where you can make an impact. Uh, you need to make an impact now. So um, if everything falls right and these guys, you know, make an impact like they're expected to and, and like we know they probably can, uh, then you're right. It's going to be one of the most elite pass rush groups in the league. Yeah, and uh, you mentioned earlier that you really like what they have behind them this year, and that can really help in terms of just being able to get into those third-down situations that you want. And I completely agree with you. Having Schobert at middle linebacker and Jack at weak side linebacker, I really do think that can help the defensive line look a lot better than it did Absolutely. last year. Absolutely, and I know we were really focused on defensive line today, but – you know, when you look at it, 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 that front seven is a whole unit, and that front seven is is very integral in stopping the run. You've got Schobert, you know, probably your biggest, if not the biggest, free agent acquisition for the team this year. He's a really uh, downhill run stuffing linebacker. Now he can play in the pass. You know, we had Pazlesny, who was that prototypical straight downhill you know tackling machine linebacker. Schobert does that, but he does play the pass as well. But I think. Him coming back into the middle, moving Miles Jack back outside. Um, you know, you saw last year a lot of issues as well of, of Miles Jack getting in the wrong gap or out of position. Letting him play on the outside where he's got the speed and the range, that's where he fits best. So the defense line is going to be critical in, in holding up those blocks, filling up gaps so you can have guys like Schobert, you know, coming downfield fast, making those tackles. And if you get guys bouncing outside, Miles Jack is roaming that sideline. You know, he's, he's out there running back and forth, and he's going to stop them from getting outside. So that's going to be very, very, uh, you know, important to stopping the run on defense. Yeah, no doubt about it. Now, I know you had a couple things you wanted to get into before the end of the episode. So let's go uh, ahead yeah, and do just that. Yeah, small things. Uh, you know, we talked about earlier uh, – Something that kind of surprised me this week is Caldwell came out and said uh, that the roster overturn was planned. So this 2017 overhaul, they knew it was going to be a three-year run. Now, I want your thoughts on that because I'm not necessarily sure if I buy into that uh, per se. You know, they got rid of some key players um, this year, and I'm not sure. Do you think that's more of just a product of everything falling apart and not sticking together like they thought it would? Or do you think this was a orchestrated three-year run that just didn't pan out with the Super Bowl championship? I don't want to call Caldwell a complete liar on this. And I do believe they probably had 
a plan in place to where if it didn't work out that they could do kind of a youth movement. I find it hard to believe that it was planned that far in advance and that it was planned to that extent. I don't think you wanted to get rid of literally like all your guys. I don't think they planned on getting rid of Jalen Ramsey. I don't think they planned on getting rid of Dante Fowler. Maybe they did plan on getting rid of Calais Campbell after three years, but I, I do think it was a little bit of a reach coming from <laughs> I think him. so too. I mean, I, I call total BS. I think this is a, I'm trying to save my job. Uh, I think this is, you know, with everything going on this year, might not turn out that great, but it was what we were expecting, you know, a youth movement, but there are some, some, changes you know that were made and there are some moves that were made that you just don't see out of a uh you know team that wants to win now so but it's kind of confusing if this team has another poor outing you know call them and are keeping their jobs so unless they know something we don't uh it, it did kind of throw me off a little bit i'm not sure i buy it all like you said you know you definitely didn't get rid plan on getting rid of ramsey um dante fowler obviously you know that, that wasn't as much of a key factor, but Calais Campbell, that production, I mean, I think we got more than what we expect to get out of Calais. So uh, to turn around and get rid of him doesn't really uh, sit right. But, um, you know, if, I don't know if you caught, you said you watched Hard Knocks last night, and if you caught it, um, there was kind of a, a key scene there uh, where they were talking to uh, newly acquired uh, cornerback Chris Harris uh, for Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, and they were asking him, you know, to really keep his eye on the young guys and really kind of make sure that protocols are being followed. You're seeing in the MLB, protocols aren't followed. Teams are getting the, the virus, and it's just really messing with the season. So the NFL wants to play. They're going to do everything they can to play. Not being in a bubble, though, there are more precautions you have to take. So I think it's really going to be key for teams with a veteran presence, you know, who can keep these guys in check. You know, I just kind of think back to, uh, you know, the old Colts, you know, when you had guys like Freeney, Robert Mathis, and Peyton Manning, if those three walk in and they're they're telling you, hey, we're staying in protocol. You guys are not going out. Make sure you go home. Make sure you do what you're supposed to do because we want to play football. I think that resonates to our locker room. So do you think the Jaguars are going to be hindered at all without that sort of veteran presence? Um, yeah, before I answer that question, Anthony Lynn – I just thought he was so awesome with the way he was addressing the team and just really impressive uh, from a leadership standpoint. And But getting back to the Jags, I do – I wonder if it, if it will hurt them. I do think that they're young leaders in uh, Gardner Minshew, Josh Allen, DJ Chark, Guys, Chris Conley even, he's he's not that young anymore, but he's also a team leader. I think they have enough leadership and enough guys that are team-first guys. Jawan Taylor can be included in that, Brandon Linder, that they're going to do everything they can to uh, stay within protocol, to make sure that they're able to have a season, and to make sure that they're one of the teams, like Anthony Lynn was saying, that handles it the best. And if you are one of those teams that handles this whole new COVID era of football the best, you're going to have an advantage against teams that are uh, kind of more nonchalant about the whole thing. And so I think with Gardner Minshew, with DJ Chark, with those guys I mentioned, that the Jaguars do have enough leadership to keep the guys yeah, in Anthony line. Lynn could not have portrayed himself any better. I agree, man. I loved every second of him on screen. Uh, I love him in his backyard. 
smoking the chicken wings and the brisket and just, you know, they get such a great look at these guys, you know, as people, um, you kind of see them just as a cog in a machine sometimes, but they're, they're people too. And I think players want to play for Anthony Lynn. That was, you know, it's what, it's what it seemed like. So um, yeah, I think it is going to be uh, like you said, that the team who performs, who, who does this the best, like you said, they're going to be 31 teams who don't do this uh, as well as the one other who does it perfectly. And I think that's really going to be key if you have a guy go out, especially early, you know, that could hinder your entire season. We talked last week a lot about the Jags starting early. If you're not following protocol, you go out there and get a couple key guys who pick up the virus and, you know, they're out for at least 14 days. That's at least two games. You know, you could very easily hinder your season, um, you know, and that would just be a dumb way to do it. And we made such a, a point um, on this team's success is going to be uh, extremely um predicated on whether or not the offense starts early. So the last thing I really have for you is with that being said, and we talked about it last week, how confident are you that this team can start quickly, you know, with possible COVID issues with no preseason and no pads being put on uh, until week three of training camp? Uh, how far do you think it, it sets the, the Jags back and how much of a disadvantage will it be to their offense starting early? It's tough. It really is. Um, but uh, if you want to look at it from a positive standpoint, I do think Jake Rudin is on top of everything. Today he was asked where the offense is at right now, and he's like, well, we're in diapers. But everybody is doing everything that they need to be doing to take the right steps as training camp goes along. And a lot of the guys have talked about how how Gruden's offense is user-friendly, and they're already really understanding it. I think having Tyler Eifert – and Chris Thompson around helps a lot. I think uh, having Minshew already have mastered the playbook helps a lot. It'll be tough. There's no question about it. It'll be tough for this team to come out and start fast against their divisional foes in the first two weeks. But if they can pu- pull off a win or two wins in those first two games, they could really get rolling with the talent level they have with these Absolutely young guys. Absolutely young and hungry. And I'm excited to see this offense. I really do hope they can start fast. I really hope this doesn't have too much of an impact on them. Um, I think, obviously, there are a lot of question marks with it being a first year in a new system. Uh, but a lot of these guys have only been through one system. So hopefully they're not too ingrained in anything. Uh, and you're right, you know, young leaders like Minshew, Minshew's going to have to take on a whole new role uh, as a leader this year. I think he's got uh, the personality to do so, um, but I think these young guys have to make sure they keep each other in check uh, and, and you know, keep everything rolling smoothly to get that hot start. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. Uh, that's going to do it for today's episode. Appreciate everybody for listening. Next episode, we're going to take a look at Gardner Minshew and the rest of the core players on the young team. And we're kind of just talking about this. Are they building a winning culture? Minshew thinks they're already uh, taking steps in the right direction towards that. He talked about that today. So we'll jump into that next episode and a lot of other fun stuff. And uh, want to remind everybody to please leave us a review on Apple Podcast if you enjoy the show. Check out ginjag.com for news and analysis a whole bunch of fun Duval merch. Thank you very much. Have a good one. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.